This is about the survival of our businesses. This is about the survival of families to be able to pay their bills again. There are more things to be discussed in terms of baseball and it getting back out there and when it can happen. Hopefully this July number is, is right on point, uh, but there's still some, some hurdles to get over before we actually get to playing baseball. The Padres could be back on the diamond as early as July. Welcome to our ABC 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast. I'm Ben Higgins, and we're looking at the different ways the ongoing pandemic is having an effect on our community. Major League Baseball owners have agreed to start the season around the 4th of July weekend. Games would be played without fans in attendance. Spring training would start in June, and each team would play about 82 regular season games. The Players Union still needs to agree to the deal. In just a moment, I'll be joined by former big leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. to get his thoughts on the proposed plan and the tricky safety and financial concerns still in play. First, though, a look at some of the top coronavirus headlines for Monday, May 11th. An Oceanside City Council member is encouraging local businesses to defy state health orders and open their doors. I wrote a letter on the conviction of my heart, and all those who share in that same conviction are going to move and make decisions in their own free will. Christopher Rodriguez spoke out in support of a gym owner who tried to twice open this weekend without approval, and was eventually cited by police. I was left with two choices, stay closed and go bankrupt or open and let the OPD finish me off with these draconian citations and, and ruin me that way. Or I have a fighting chance and maybe they would let me open. That was Lou Uridel of Metroflex Gym. Oceanside Mayor Peter Weiss says Councilmember Rodriguez does not express the official views of the city and urges the public to continue following the orders of health officers. On a larger scale, Tesla employees went back to work in Fremont this morning, breaking local orders. Over the weekend, the company's CEO, Elon Musk, filed a lawsuit to get the plant back open. He threatened to move Tesla's headquarters to Nevada and Texas immediately if Alameda County didn't loosen restrictions. The company says it has deployed additional PPE and taken other measures similar to those used to reopen the automaker's plant in Shanghai, China. San Diego Mayor Kevin Falconer is also making a push toward reopening businesses faster than possible under current guidelines. Falconer sent a letter to Gavin Newsom asking him to reduce restrictions for moving ahead to phase three of the reopening, such as the requirement of no COVID-19 deaths in the county for 14 consecutive days. We urge the governor to give our region the flexibility to do so. Uh, Workers are ready to start collecting a paycheck again. Businesses are ready to safely reopen their doors, and customers are ready to follow public safety health orders. The mayor says he's not asking for the authority to let people go back to their normal lives, just to start the process of living the new normal. Starting today, Amtrak is requiring all its passengers to wear face masks to fight the spread of coronavirus. Amtrak employees who work with customers are also required to wear masks. The masks can be taken off when passengers are sitting alone or with a travel partner and when they're eating or in private rooms. Passengers must bring their own masks. San Diego's Amtrak Pacific Surfliner is still operating on a modified schedule. UC San Diego is offering COVID-19 testing to the 5,000 students that are still on campus. The students can pick up a free nasal swab and self-administer the test. From there, the results are sent to a UC San Diego lab. If a student tests positive, they'll be moved into a designated building to try to control the spread. 
One student who works in the campus's health center says this is a step in the right direction. I think it's a slow transition to the process. If we can get a few students starting to acclimate as soon as possible, then we can go ahead and start picking up that pace. It's just a steady process. It can't be everything all at once. The university says they'll also look at the results to help them understand how to minimize outbreaks on campus. More than half of all COVID-19 deaths in San Diego County are from nursing homes and assisted care facilities. One of the hardest hit facilities is in La Mesa. Newly released records show it had one of the largest death totals related to COVID-19 in the state. Twelve residents have died from the disease. The records give insight into what local nursing homes have been dealing with as the pandemic continues. This November, millions of registered voters across the state will receive mail-in ballots for the election due to the coronavirus. And the San Diego County Registrar of Voters Office seems confident it can meet the new mandate issued by Governor Newsom. 74% of registered voters in the county already receive a mail-in ballot. The bigger question seems to be, how much will all this cost? The overall cost remains to be known. Will we have, it depends on how many questions and how many contests will be on the ballot. Will this be a two-card ballot or will it be a one-card ballot? Uh, again, those won't be known until well uh, deep into the election cycle itself. The other 26% of voters who do not currently receive a mail-in ballot will get one this November. Michael Vu says there will be a limited number of in-person voting sites. It's not clear where they will be or who can vote at them. The San Diego Comic-Con 2020 is being brought back to life, in a way. The annual festival for comics was called off for the first time in 50 years due to the pandemic. Now it's coming back as Comic-Con at home. The event is expected to be online and will offer free badges so that everyone can watch. Other than that, not much else has been revealed about Comic-Con at home. There's currently no date, though many expect it to happen toward the end of July. As sports leagues around the world try to salvage their seasons, a new one we can cross off the list, the AHL. That means the San Diego Gulls season is officially over. The league, which feeds into the NHL, said it's just not feasible that they'd be able to complete the 2019-2020 season. Instead, their focus has turned toward whether or not they can even make next season work. The current standings, the league says, are final and will determine awards. The Gulls finished fourth in their division with a 30-19 record. Major League Baseball trying to get their season started, and today owners approved a plan that they expect to send to the Players Union this week. And joining me right now is my radio colleague, host of Gwyn and Chris in the afternoons on 97.3 The Fan, former Major League Baseball player as well, Tony Gwynn Jr. Tony, it's great chatting with you here on the podcast. How you doing, man? I'm well, Ben. How about yourself, brother? I, I'm good. So, I mean, you've heard the outlines of of kind of the plan and trying to get baseball started again with a modified spring training in June and an opening day somewhere in July. Just just from what you've seen, how realistic does it sound to you to get baseball going again? Um, I, listen, I think the plan itself is laid out well, but there's an obvious couple things missing, right? And that one is the protection what the protection will be like for players, players' family, staff, uh, people who are working at the ballpark. Uh, what will that look like? And then the next obvious question, and it's, it's kind of the elephant in the room, is what is the agreement going to be like between the players and owners in terms of compensation? Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's an ugly argument that nobody wants to talk about because of the situation the rest of the world is in, uh, but nevertheless, it's a real issue, and I, I hope it's not a fight, but my instinct tells me it's going to be a fight. Well, of course, owners say, hey, with no fans, we're going to be making a fraction of what we normally do. 
Players should also, you know, be willing to give that back. Players say, hey, we've already come to an agreement on contracts. We're the ones that are going to be out there every day, uh, per perhaps risking our health. Um, why should we take even less? I get why that's that's a dilemma. As a former player, you know, emotionally, kind of where do you come down on that argument? As a, as a former player, uh, I see where the hesitancy is, right? Um, a lot of times you don't get a full view of what exactly, you know, the money looks like in terms of what the owners are getting, right? It's not, and it's not truly open book. So it's a trust factor that's there. Uh, but I think the underlining issue for a lot of players is going to be, how are we going to be protected? Uh, forget the, the, comp the, the compensation and, and what we're going to give back, what we're not going to give back. How are you going to protect us? Because they're looking out at the rest of the country that's starting to open up. Uh, and even in regular walks of life, you see people who are, are a little afraid to get back out there and go to work. And I think there's going to be some players. Uh, I'm not sure how many or what the percentage will be, but I, I, a significant amount of players that are going to feel are, are going to want to know what the protections are going to be for, for their families and for themselves. I think it's interesting you mentioned that because we treat players as just a class of, of people, but there's a lot of different types of players. There's young guys who are just starting, rookies, maybe from different countries. There's guys who are about to hit free agency or like 28 or 29. And then there's older players who've maybe made a lot of money already. They already have families and kids and may have completely different concerns. And I think it's something that maybe people aren't really paying attention to, that all players are not created equally. No, they're not. And, and I mean, that goes from an economic standpoint, as you mentioned, you got different people from different walks of life, different points of their life where, as you said, the importance of certain things, uh, the priority of certain things is higher than others. And that's going to be a legitimate factor when Tony Clark has to take this proposal back to the players and they begin to discuss, it won't just be about revenue. It'll, uh, I, I promise you, there'll be a large majority of about, about the protections and how they're going to be protected. And until you come up with that plan, I feel like as good as this proposal looks and as fun as it is to talk about, uh, it's hard to see anything moving forward until that's at least addressed. There may not be the perfect answer for it, but you're going to have to come up with an answer that makes people comfortable enough, makes these players comfortable enough to want to go out and, and perform. And then, of course, you have coaches and support staff, I mean, some of whom might be older and at more risk. Uh, think about a manager like a Dusty Baker or a Joe Madden who are in their 60s or even their 70s. How, how small can, can you think baseball can get that, that core group to put on a season? I mean, how many people can you get by with to just you know, put on baseball games, an 82-game season, like they're talking about, in addition to the 30-plus the players or so that they already expect to have at the ballparks? You know, that's, that's an incredible point, Ben. Because we've, we've been talking about the players and, and, and so on, but that's another great point. There, there are a lot of coaches who may be at risk, you know, for, from this disease, and it may not take a whole lot for them to come down with it. Um, and that's, that's something that has to be protected. So, listen, when, you, when you're talking about having an 82-game season with all of the different components that are, are involved in it, um, there's going to, and it's not going to be just on the player standpoint. It's going to be from the coaches too. And we've seen it in other sports. You've heard, uh, some coaches come out in the NBA and say they're a little hesitant because, uh, you know, of their age and what that's like. So I, it, again, I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but 
certainly there are more things to be discussed in terms of baseball and it getting back out there and when it can happen. Hopefully this July number is, is right on point, uh, but there's still some, some hurdles to get over before we actually get to playing baseball. Last thing, because I've got you here, um, over the weekend, a lot of people were talking about your dad, would have been his 60th birthday, and uh, they were playing games on MLB Network, uh, old blames, people tweeting, amazing statistics. What was kind of your reaction seeing that outpouring of baseball fans across the country talking about Tony Gwynn? I got to tell you, Ben, I'm glad you brought him up. It gives me an opportunity to say thank you, because... Uh, that day is, is always going to be a tough day uh, for, for the Gwynn family and honestly for a lot of San Diego, a lot of San Diegans. But um, for me personally, for my mom and my sister, uh, it was made a lot easier. You know, we had the toast with L. Smith. There were about 120 people on there. Um, my Instagram was filled with messages from my father. And I did the best I could to kind of get them up on my feed so that everybody could see them. Uh, but it, it just, it's just, it's just a testament to the city uh, about how much they love my father uh, that, you know, even on a, even on his birthday, uh, people who aren't even, aren't even related are thinking about him and, it, and it, it's still therapeutic for, for my mom and myself and my sister. So um, I just want to say thank you uh, to the people of San Diego and the people of, of you know, across the nation who, uh, sent their well wishes, put their memories out, shared their story, shared their one encounter that they may have had. Uh, it, it really, it really does help get through that day. It was, it was, it was awesome to see. And I want to say thank you to you, Tony. Uh, it's been a pleasure being your colleague at 97.3 The Fan, getting to know you a little bit better. Thank you so much, time for spending a few minutes with us here today. Thank you. Same for you. Same to you, Ben. Thank you. We're also seeing more good news as the process of rebounding from the pandemic continues. Doors are open to Disneyland in Shanghai. Temperature screenings and face masks are required for all guests. Disney says they're operating at 30% capacity and social distancing is enforced. Cast members are sanitizing surfaces throughout the day. Disney hopes it'll serve as a blueprint for reopening Disney parks worldwide. We communicate all the time with our other parks around the world, share operational best practices. So hopefully we can inspire them. We can share some of those best practices here, and they'll adapt based on what they need to do there to satisfy their guests and their communities. Parks in the U.S., Hong Kong, Tokyo, and Paris are still closed. Disney is starting a phased reopening of Florida's Disney Springs beginning May 20th. San Diego still faces a long road to recovery even after the pandemic subsides, but we haven't lost our way. We know who we are, a community that will meet the moment and rise above the obstacles. ABC 10 News is committed to helping San Diegans recover from the turmoil created by the coronavirus. We will get back on our feet, find jobs, resources, and creative solutions to rebuild. Together, we'll find a way. For stories and more information on how we bounce back, go to 10news.com rebound. That's all for today. I'm Ben Higgins.